grace and peace to you this morning. We want to welcome you here to LaGrange Church of Christ. If you're uh, new or you're visiting, um, we especially want to welcome you and would like uh, for you to get plugged into some of the things that, that we're doing. Um, we have small groups. We have uh, different activities. We've got a Christmas party next week, and we'd love for you to, to join us for some of those. Um, you can find out more information in your bulletin, and you can speak to myself or one of the elders after service. That would We'd be glad to... Uh, tell you a little bit more about our congregation. And so we're in a series of lessons from the book of Isaiah, and uh, we've been uh, doing this for several weeks now, focused on the first part of Isaiah. Now we're in Isaiah 40 through 55, this, this grand poem that Isaiah gives us. And so I'd invite you to turn to chapter 49. Chapter 49, we're going to um, look at some verses in this chapter this morning. We want to begin with a reading of the word from the book of Isaiah. And so 49 verses 8 through 18. Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you. On a day of salvation I have helped you. I have kept you and given you as a covenant to the people to establish the land to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out to those who are in darkness. Show yourselves. They shall feed along the ways. On all the bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them down. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will turn all my mountains into a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Lo, these shall come from far away, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sain. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his suffering ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders outdo your destroyers, and those who laid you waste go away from you. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, says the Lord, you shall put all of them on like an ornament, and like a bride you shall bind them on. You know, for us to understand uh, some parts of the Bible, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of the recipients. We need to try to see it from their perspective. And, and this is true of our passage this morning. It is a text that, that we can relate to. But we must first see it as the people of Israel saw it when they received it. Our lives are shaped by calendars. And so if you have a, a child in school, then your life revolves around that school calendar. As Americans, we have a calendar that's filled with national holidays, and you likely take trips or maybe visit family based on the special days that are on that calendar. And calendars also influence how we think. We are in a patriotic mindset around the 4th of July we are in a, a thankful and, and giving mood in November because that's when we celebrate Thanksgiving. We honor 
our mothers and fathers on certain days because the calendar tells us to do so. And so every group of people has had some sort of way of marking time, and and the way they do that shapes who they are. We are also a consumeristic culture, which is not true of every culture. It's not true of most agrarian cultures, like the one we read about in the Bible, the culture of Israel. Uh, This means we like to shop. It means we like to, to buy things. In stores and businesses, they have a certain calendar. You know, if you walk into Walmart to, to buy a, a, a loaf of bread the day after Thanksgiving, then you're going to be in for a big surprise because that's, that's the day known as Black Friday. And stores kind of go from Halloween to Christmas to Valentine's Day. And their calendar is not the same as our national calendar because they're only concerned about what days make them money. And we don't always, we didn't always buy stuff for all these days, but, but the stores have begun to tell us, you know, we need to buy stuff for these days, and so we've adopted that calendar. Well, there's also a Christian calendar, just as there was a Jewish calendar. And this calendar seeks to shape us by setting aside days to have us reflect on the life of Christ. And so rather than being shaped by culture, rather than being shaped by consumerism, this is a calendar that influences us to be more like Jesus. And it's connected to Scripture and constantly reminds us of who God wants us to be. And so if we're following this consumer calendar, then we're likely going to be in stores buying more stuff. If we're following a Christian calendar, then maybe we'll be spending more time in prayer and reading our Bible and helping others in need. Well, according to the Christian calendar, this is a time of waiting in anticipation of the coming of Christ. And why would any calendar have built into it a time that focuses on waiting? Well, if you think about it, waiting is an important part of life. We have to learn how to wait. And how we wait determines a lot of times how life will go. If we learn to wait well, then life will be better. If we don't learn to wait well, then things are not going to be as good and we'll experience problems, maybe because of our impatience. Well, this text in Isaiah today is about waiting. You remember that Isaiah 40 through 55 is a poem and it's it's written to captive Israel. And so while in captivity, uh, there's not much to do but wait. This people had lost everything. They'd lost their homes, their loved ones. They'd lost their place of worship, and they were waiting on God. They knew the promises of God, but they weren't sure if God was going to do anything. And their impatience grew with each passing day. And finally, in verse 14, we learn what they were saying. But Zion, that is Israel, the the people of God, they were saying, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. It's not easy to wait. It's not easy to wait when you are suffering or when you're hurting. And those are trying times. Israel had thought that God had just abandoned them. 
The temple was destroyed. The nation was no more. They were captives in a foreign land. It was difficult for them to see where God was at in all their loss. And we can experience similar circumstances in our own lives. We don't always get the news that, that we want to hear. And it can be shocking to, to hear the doctor report that we have cancer. And our lives can be upended by the death of a loved one. And some of us experience tragedy after tragedy and we wonder, how long is this going to go on? And life isn't always what we imagined it would be. And we can be like those Israelites in captivity, waiting and waiting. And we may even be tempted to say, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. And if that's the case, then we need to be sure to pay attention to the next words in Isaiah. Because you see, Israel cries out, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. And then God replies to them. And this is what God says. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does. And we see that God's response to Israel is incredible. These are words to dwell on. They are, they are words to, to keep nearby in difficult times. Can a woman forget her nursing child? I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I will not forget you. Lift up your eyes and see. The message here is that God will not abandon us. We are his children and he is our father. Now, we may have to suffer the consequences of poor decisions that we make, but that's not God's fault. We may be punished for our transgressions, just as a child is disciplined for disobedience, but again, the blame is on us. God will not forsake us. We may even face circumstances that are not our fault or God's fault. Death and disease are contrary to God's plan. Death and disease, they don't come from God. And they may occur because of nothing that we did either. Even in circumstances beyond our control, God is still with us. And this is what he wants his people to know. He's with them now and he's going to be with them forever. Just as he's with us now and he's going to be with us forever. Now, it may not always be evident how God is with us. But it's certainly not going to be evident if we don't look around and try to take notice. God says to his people, uh, lift up your eyes and see. 
And so the, the people of Israel were ignoring the evidence of God right in front of them. And this can happen to us as well. You know, sometimes if we're feeling down, we may not be focused on anything else but our own circumstances. Sometimes we can even feel sorry for ourselves and just kind of turn inward. And in those times, we're not paying attention to what God is doing. We're not paying attention to how God is present. This is why God says, lift up your eyes and see, because he's there with them. And God is with Israel, but he's about to be with them in a very special way. And so the verses that come before this interaction, they, they focus on the promises of God. They say, thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out, saying to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Now God speaks here as if these events have already happened. And this isn't unique. He does this several times in Israel when he's referring to future promises. The, the, the point here is that all these, although these events have not taken place, the people of God should act as if they have. They should be confident in God's word. And they should begin to, to work toward this future that he has planned for them. What is to come is not something that just happens in the future. It is a reality that we work towards now, knowing that it will be completed someday. And this is what is happening in Isaiah. And so when you begin to, to, pull, to put together all these promises in, in this long poem, chapters 40 through 55, it becomes evident that something special is on the horizon. God is coming, but he's not coming like he has ever come before. And so the mountains are going to be leveled, and the valleys are going to be raised, and the captives are going to be set free, and the hungry are going to be fed, and God is going to enter into the brokenness of humanity. And he's going to experience this brokenness for himself. He's going to be tempted. He's going to feel pain. He's going to be tortured. He's even going to be put to death. God will know and he will understand what it is that we endure. And this is still true today. Whatever it is that we face in life, whatever trial you're going through, we can face it knowing that, that God has gone before us and that he's with us every step of the way. And so because of this, we rejoice. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. 
Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. And so God has come into the world, and it is not the same. And his kingdom is breaking forth into this dark world, and sin and death have been defeated, and we get to experience new creation, so we praise God for all that he has done. Of course, this does not mean that we are done waiting. Things have changed. Our king has come, but we still live in a fallen world. And things are not as they should be. And we still experience pain and loss, and so we wait. And we continue to work towards the, this future reality that God has promised. We continue to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we wait knowing that the trials and tribulations that we experience in life, they help to shape us into the people that we ought to be. And we learn to wait well. And we learn to help others along the way. And we long for the return of Jesus when we'll have to wait no more. And we know that then all things will be as they should be. And we will live forever in the presence of God. And so until then, may we be a reminder to the people around us that are waiting for something in their lives, that there are better days ahead of us. And may we proclaim the good news of Jesus so that people will know that, that God is on the move and that good things are to come. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and as we focus on this text this morning, we know that, that waiting can be a difficult part of life. We don't like to wait. We don't like to, to wait for answers from doctors. We don't like to wait on all sorts of things and, and it can be frustrating. And so, Father, we pray that you'll be with us, that we will learn how to wait well, and that we'll learn how to be shaped by your presence. And, Father, may we never forget that you're with us every step of the way, that you are here knowing what we endure. And may we also never forget all the wonderful promises you have made to us, that you have come into this world to make it better, but also you're coming to again to make all things right. And we long for that, Father. We, we long for your will to be made known to everyone. Until then, we pray that people will see your light through us and that they will come to know your ways and they will follow you. We're so thankful for the light of the world. We're so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who took on flesh and lived among us. We're so thankful for all that he's done for us and all the ways that he has blessed us. And we pray this in his name. Amen.